good afternoon welcome to the jb font channel i am your host james fontlory so good to see all of you here on this beautiful tuesday afternoon good to see all of you here come on in have a seat sit on down i hope you guys got your drink i got my tea so just so that you guys know i am wired right now just <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting day uh so just to let you guys know the jb font channel is available on all major podcast platforms like you know it, so you guys go ahead and subscribe to me there also part of the revolutionary blackout network so you guys can find me on sundays tuesdays and thursdays typically on there as well if you have not already if you guys would like to get email notifications you guys go to my Substack at jbfont.substack.com you guys can get the alert for those notifications because we all know that the youtube algorithm is not that reliable also just a thank you to all the patrons on patreon as well as coffee without you guys i would not be able to do this work as well as members thank you so much to all of you so thank you so much to everybody who is a member a patron or anybody that sends me any type of mutual aid via uh apps like cash app venmo or paypal so thank you so very much or also to my gofundme so those are also in the down description below so thank you so very much good to see all of you here as usual whenever i get on my stream i also got to say hello to all the people who are also joining in in the chat so we got sean miller coming in saying you're i just found out that's a different way of saying hello from like the new york area so i had no idea so good to see you. i didn't know so <laughs> so good to see you sean miller we have janice anderson saying hi all good to see you janice serena sawyer coming in saying greetings comrades Good to see you, Sarina. All right. Who else do we have in here? All right. We got a few people just pouring in. Good to see all of you here. Uh, ooh, I think I messed something up. Let's make sure. I'm sorry, guys. I am rushing. It, I had a late start today. I was exhausted from yesterday. Had a lot going on. You know, and so that's why I'm kind of flummoxed. I'm rushing right now because JB had a late morning. This is why I got my tea today. I'm not even drinking water today. I'm like, tea, put it in my veins. It is what it, oh, this tea is good though. Mm. Yeah. So good to see all of you here. Uh, Sean Miller says, it's getting hot out there, and I'm in Washington. Yeah, it is hot. And guess what? It's about to rain, too. So it, it, it's a lot. But, yeah. Um, and so one of the things, I'm going to be talking about two different stories today. Uh, and the stories that I'm going to be talking about today, um, they're going to be, one's definitely going to be a hard story. So if any of you are triggered by any type of police violence uh this may not be the stream for you um but this is important to talk about and then another one we're talking about in tulsa oklahoma so just to let you guys know this is going to be the subject for today that says injustice by the state derek diaz we're going to be talking about what happened with him and then we're also going to be talking about reparations denied so we're going to be talking about this as well. These are going to be some very interesting stories. And yeah, these are stories that 
uh, you know, they're getting national attention, but of course they need to get more national attention. And a lot of us aren't watching corporate media anyway, anymore. So I think it's important for independent media to get on this as well. So we're going to be starting off with the murder of Derek Diaz. Um, Derek Diaz is a father, a brother, a son. And this story is local to me. This happened here in Orlando. So one of the first things that I'm going to be doing is I'm going to share with you guys I'm going to share with you guys the body cam footage of what happened with Derek Diaz. Now, I'm going to say this again. For all of you that are watching, if, you know, things like this uh, disturb you heavily, then I say this is, would be the time to look away or to if you're on the rewatch just go further into the stream um so i'll be showing these really quickly just so that people get a synopsis of what's going on so all right so let me share my screen really quick so that we know exactly what happened to derek diaz because a lot of times people are going to go yeah, but he's, 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 he's no angel. You know, you get people who say things like that. Let's get what exactly happened so that we have a good context of everything so that we can move on from there. So this is this was on July 3rd, by the way. Just let any of you guys know. So this was 15 days ago. Um, so uh, this is... Uh, this was shared by 50 Shades of Way. Shout out to 50 Shades of Way always uh, putting out some, uh, you know, information and context. So appreciation to them. So here it is. This is in downtown Orlando, by the way. So in, in my city. Yo, turn off the car, turn it off. Yeah, it's in your hand right there. Okay, in this hand and that hand. Now, give me that. Give me the other one and put your hands on the steering wheel right now. Don't move. Now, as we can see, he is obeying orders. They just rolled up. I didn't see any lights or anything. I just see them rolling up on him, right? They just walked up on him. He was just chilling. Windows down, right? How many of us have had food where we had some, some, um, some tin foil and we were just, you know, balling up about to throw it away, right? Okay. So, so far, he's obeying orders. He's being compliant. Let's continue. Word. 
Put your hands on the steering wheel. Put your hands on the steering wheel. Good? Yeah. Guess you? Yeah, I did. Where's your shot fired? See how quick that was? See how fast that happened? Now, there is another body cam footage from the other officer on the opposite side. So we're going to we're going to go to this one too. This is the opposite side. On you. Now you see his hands on the steering wheel. Put your hands on the steering wheel. Put your hands on That quickly. That quickly. Are you guys good? Yeah. You guys shoot? Yeah, I did. 43 shots fired. You already know what I'm about to say. No, you know, you know exactly what y'all know exactly what I'm about to say. You know. Any of you have watched my channel or watched me on RBN, you guys know what, what I'm thinking right now. They just walked up out of nowhere. Let's let's go to I have a video I want to show. Actually, let me let me do this really quick first. So I'm going to share what 50 shades away said. It says a police officer in Orlando, Florida shot and killed Derek Diaz, 26 years old, who was sitting in a car minding his business. Cops can't just harass innocent people over BS and then murder them. Jose Velez should face charges for this. By the way, the police officer is also Latino. 50 Shades Away continues, says these thugs will pull up on you while you're sitting peacefully in a car and they'll point guns at you, your grandma, your dogs, etc. whoever, and it's effing BS. Tell me where in the U.S. Constitution it says that cops can harass and shoot people for minding their business. Cops who abuse their power and provoke innocent people to play a life or death game of Simon Says are murderers. 
and they can try to dress it up and all the legal BS they want to get off the hook. But it doesn't change the fact that they're state sanctioned murderers. This was a state sanctioned murder. I don't care what nobody says. And people can try to dress this up as go, oh, but he, he moved a little too quickly. When you are in a moment of distress, when you are extremely anxious, sometimes your movements may come become a little bit erratic. Because when you got somebody, two people on either side of you pointing guns at your face, you're like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And you're just like, <clears throat> you're just trying to obey their orders. And you're like, oh, oh, oh. you're just like, you're, you're just, you don't know what to do. And so you're like, do I just show my hands to see that they're not empty? Or do I keep my hands on the wheel? What do I do? He was nervous as hell. And then look. Because you you just, you, you don't know. They just rolled up on you. Right? Let's go to the to the newsreel. This reached national news. Let's go. Orlando police have released body camera footage showing the moments when an officer shot and killed a 26-year-old man. Derek Diaz died last week on July 3rd. Orlando's police chief says this all started as a drug investigation and the officer who fired the gun thought that Diaz was reaching for a gun. Now Diaz's family is demanding answers. NBC News correspondent Stephen Romo is following this story for us. Uh, Stephen, this body... This all started as a drug investigation, and the officer who fired the gun thought that Diaz was reaching for a gun. Now, first of all, this is one of the reasons why we talk about how the war on drugs needs to end. Because if we didn't have this war on drugs, and if we at least decriminalized drugs, things like this wouldn't happen. But yet, Every single time, it's, oh, well, we thought they had drugs. Then the police end up killing somebody, even if he had drugs, even if he did. Is that mean justification for an extrajudicial killing? Even if, even if, right? So what? So what? I'm going to show you guys something as well as so what even if he had a gun because I'm going to share something with you guys so what even if he had a gun so what even if the gun didn't have a permit want to know why I say that 
Let me share with you guys. So what? Because it's the law. This is from Pensacola News Journal. Florida residents, including in Orlando, can legally carry a firearm without permit starting July 1st. So two days before, even if he had a gun, he was legal within his right in the state of Florida to have a gun. It says, but there is a long list of exceptions and rules that go along with having the law. The Florida State voted for HB 543 in March, and DeSantis quickly signed it, making Florida a 26th state that does not require a concealed weapons license. So even if he had, did have a gun, doesn't matter. So if you're a police officer, if you're a police officer in the state of Florida, then... Why in the hell are you getting so trigger happy? Why are you okay or in favor of this law? Why are you cool with DeSantis? Doesn't this, you as a police officer, technically make your job a little bit more difficult? Because now they can have a concealed, uh, what, they don't even have to have a, a license. They can conceal carry. So, yeah, that's why I said, so what if he did? Does this warrant an extrajudicial killing? Let's continue. Oh, Diaz's family is demanding answers. NBC News correspondent Stephen Romo is following this story for us. Uh, Stephen, this body cam footage we should warn people might be disturbing to some of our viewers. What can you tell us? What does it show? Yeah, disturbing indeed, Kate. Diaz's family has been asking for this video ever since that shooting happened back on July 3rd. Orlando police releasing three different angles from the officers who were there, their body-worn camera footage here. We do want to listen to how this started. We do also want to note this video was blurred by the police department. Don't move. Word. Put your hands on the steering wheel. Put your hands on the steering wheel. Well, that was Officer Jose Velez. He asked Diaz there, who's 26 years old, to hand over something that he had in his hand. It was wrapped in aluminum foil. Then, as we heard, tells him to put his hands on the steering wheel. At some point, it seems like the right hand, Diaz's right hand, goes toward the center console. And that is when Velez fires those shots and immediately backs away from that scene. And uh, the other officers involved, their videos were released as well. That was the best angle that we see. It sh we should note, however, there was no weapon that was actually found there at the scene, Kate. Of course, there was no gun found in, in on his person. Of course, of course. But I'm gonna say something that's gonna be a little bit controversial to a lot of people, and it is what it is. You are more likely to find a gun on a white person than you are to find a gun on a black or brown person. Let's be real. You are more likely to find a gun on a white person than you are to find a gun on a black or brown person. That's the way it is in this country. The data shows. And yet, and yet, and yet, they are 
way more scared of black and brown people than they are of anybody else. Guns per capita are higher amongst white people than they are amongst black people. Yet, yet, because of white supremacy, because of racism and internalized white supremacy, because yes, it also can be an internalized. This is why I say that cops who are other than white, they're blue first, and then whatever the race they are, second. So even still, they will look at people who are darker than alabaster as a threat. And Derek was unarmed, had no weapons on his person, no weapons in the car, nothing. So was he really reaching for the center console? What was he reaching for? It wasn't a weapon. Maybe, just maybe, he just touched it. But a lot of people aren't going to give him that that grace, that deference. They're just going to say, well, he reached for the center console. What was he getting? There was nothing in the car. So why was his murder justified? Let's continue. Okay, that's important. Diaz's family and one of their attorneys I know spoke at a press conference, Stephen, earlier today. What, what did they say? Yeah, as you can imagine, they were upset. They say they do have some answers now, but not enough. They want to read that police report. That has not happened yet. Here's more of what Diaz's daughter's mother... Do we really care what the police report says? Hang on. Hold up. Do we really care what the police report says? It's all on video. Do we... Do... Does, do any of you actually give a shit what the police report says? I don't. I certainly don't. Because it's all there in 4K for me to see. It's clear. I don't care what the police report says. Because they're going to say something different than what the video actually says. They're going to lie anyway. Why, why, why does the police report matter? Especially when you have video evidence. I'm, t I'm telling you, boy, I'm telling you. Mother mm. had to say. Video was so sickening to watch. I watch it. Yeah, we got to watch the three videos. One time they said we had to leave and that was it. All of this is about police training. Yes. And we want to make sure that police are being trained to deal with citizens, especially in the downtown area where a lot of the college students are, where there's a lot of young people. Now, we should note, Kate, police say that after he was shot, Diaz threw something out of the window. Difficult to see in the video. The family has questions about that. State agencies are now investigating. All right, Stephen Romo following that. Thank you. I don't care what the hell he threw out the window. That still didn't justify his murder. There was no weapon. And even if there was a weapon, it is legal in the state of Florida. 
even someone who has a weapon and they draw it against someone who has a weapon drawn against them, that would have been idiotic because you literally have two people on either side with their weapons drawn. You can't even draw a weapon because you know you're about to get got. And yet, they're like, oh, he has a weapon. So what? It's Florida. There's racist pigs everywhere, ironically. And so this is Florida. This is the way it is. Where, And this is the way it is across this nation. Where police can shoot you with impunity. By the way, that police officer is on paid administrative leave, meaning they got a vacation. They're on vacation. So basically, after shooting someone with impunity, you get a vacation. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If what you did was just out and right cold-blooded murder. Damn, that's good. It doesn't matter if you got, you know, you outright cold-blooded murdered somebody. You still get a vacation. Is that why, like, and here's the crazy part. And, and a lot of people talk to me about this and they're like, well, they just need, you know, more training. In a institution that is racist, in an institution that has harmed people for the state to protect property, there is no amount of training that can fix the problem. None. And they said that, oh, well, it's a it's typically a, a, a bad area. Why is it a bad? Wait, why is it a bad area? Because the bad area has poverty. And whenever you have poverty, it raises the rate of crime. People will commit crimes of opportunity and desperation in impoverished areas because they are in poverty. Let me ask you this question. Would a rich area be considered a bad or drug-ridden area? Do you know how many rich people do drugs? How much illegal activity happens with rich people? But because they're rich, you don't see police all up and through their neighborhoods. But in poor areas, you'll see it. And 
these crimes that are enforced, I'm sorry, the crimes that are committed by the people in poor areas are enforced more heavily because they're poor. That's only that's the only reason why. If you got rid of the poverty in the area, would they commit as many crimes? No, they wouldn't. They would not commit as many crimes because the crimes that they commit are crimes against poor people. If you didn't have to worry about housing, if you didn't have to worry about food, if you didn't have to worry about being demonized for drug use, how many more people will be taken in to jail or shot dead because of a crime committed? How many? We all know the answer to that. And yet, this is what happens when you have austerity and allow for poverty in this system. Poverty is a feature of this system, not a bug. That's how capitalism operates. This is why people like myself are police abolitionists, prison abolitionists in this country. If you guys have not heard of 10 Demands for Justice, I highly recommend that you guys go there and go to 10 Demands for Justice because this is a extremely well-made resource so that you can use this resource to educate yourself and others about why defunding the police on the road to abolition is important. I'm going to say this. I am not a police abolitionist for all police all over the world. From what I hear, police have a great relationship with their citizens in places like Cuba, DPRK, China, Vietnam, you know, places like that. Why? Because they realize that they serve the people and their laws and systems surround so that the people are the ones who command and demand how the system operates. Instead, and also it's people over property in those countries versus here in the United States. I want police and prison abolition within this system. So if I were in Cuba, I would probably dab up the police. I'd be like, hey, what's up? What's going on? Because they serve the workers. See what I mean? There's a difference. They're actually community members that are actually working to help keep their community in order. But it's the order that the workers set up, not the order that the corporate dictators set up. See what I mean? And it's people over property. And they don't have private property in places like Cuba, 
So it's all public, which means that they just want to make sure everybody's safe. Safety within the police forces in the United States. They don't believe in public safety. They believe in property safety. Which means vandalism is more of an egregious act than somebody starving. That's what it is. They will, look, burn down a Walmart. That is more egregious than a family starving to death. That's how the system operates. Versus in DPRK or Cuba or China, they will look at a family starving as one of the most atrocious crimes. We don't give a shit about a store burning down. What about the family? Their priorities in more socialist countries are more directed at the health and safety of people. The focus here in the United States is the health and safety of corporate dictators and their property. It does not match up. Now, let's go to this. And I am trying to reach out to Derek Diaz's family. Hopefully, I'll be able to contact them and, you know, get in touch with them to get uh, their perspective on everything that happened. Um, but I'm reaching out to them. So here's the demands. So the first one, it says defund the police and reallocate resources to impacted communities. Excuse me. Okay, now the next one is demilitarize the police. So we all know that the military industrial complex, AKA companies like Northrop Grumman, uh, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, all them, they actually get their militarized, militarized tools, their guns, their tanks from these military companies so that they can fight against who? Us. It's not against. No, it's the fight against us. And they're like, whoa, it's the fight against crime. What crimes are people committing that you need to have tanks and military-grade weapons against them? Also, let's not forget what they're trying to do in Atlanta with Cop City. Right? Cop City is an extreme form of militarizing the police. Let's continue. Number three is eliminate discriminatory policing, prosecution, and sentencing. So it's not just the police. It's also the prosecutors and the courts. It's the prosecutors and the courts. So really, it when we say it is systemic, then that means it's not just police. It's the prosecutors, attorney generals, Judges, both the city, state, appellate, circuit, and Supreme Court judges, all of them need to be reformed. All, not reformed, but it needs to be, the system needs to be replaced. 
So that's what's important. We have to focus in on that. Next one. Institute complete law enforcement transparency and accountability. That's self-explanatory. Really, they should be, it should be a board of people who public safety uh, officers should have to answer to. And this board should be independent and should not be subject to any type of financial influence whatsoever. Number five, independently investigate all police crimes and abuses of power. Again, this should be done just by citizens. Hell, you know what? This should also be heavily influenced by people who serve time. They should be heavily influenced by people who serve time. So if you serve prison time, you should be put at the top of the list to investigate. Yep. You should be put at the top of the list. Now, let's continue. Install community representation, oversight, and safety measures. This is self-explanatory. This is what I was just speaking about a little bit. Seven, in strategic counter protest violence. Like Cop City, this is what's important. Look what they did with Cop City. They murdered Tortuguita. Riddled them with bullets. Just for sitting crisscross applesauce with their hands up in the air. Riddled them with bullets because they dared to sit in the forest and stop construction crews from building a militarized police center so that they can use the militarized police to come up against us whenever we express our First Amendment rights. That's how it is in this country. Next one, apologize and provide reparations. We're gonna be getting into this in a little bit as well. But apologies need to be made sincere apologies and reparations because of all the drugs that have come through our neighborhoods of all the arresting and disproportionate arresting for drug possession put being put in prison also being enslaved while in prison because remember like i said many times on this channel before the 13th amendment didn't completely abolish slavery it only just moved slavery into a different sector of our society so people who were actually held in prison as well who were forced to work also deserve reparations i said what i said including some members of my family just for being in prison and forced to work. Now, 
Number nine says, end the war on drugs. Now, this is a special part. Let me read this really quick. It says, end the criminalization in, of drug use and drug addiction. Like I said, if we had ended the war on drugs, Derek Diaz would still be alive. It says, pass the CARE Act of 2019, expunge all nonviolent drug-related convictions in lieu of arrest, potent, provide mental health, behavioral health, and addiction recovery services nationwide. I'm going to stop right there. By the way, the biggest and most prolific the biggest and most prolific gateway drug in this nation is trauma PTSD from living in impoverished conditions trauma is the gateway drug you don't think that living in poverty doesn't cause trauma that's the gateway drug that's what a lot of people don't get trauma so when somebody picks up cocaine when they pick up molly when they pick up crack when they pick up uh, methamphetamines when they pick up when they when they abuse opiates why trauma so really it is a medical issue not a criminal one this is why if you're going to have a war on drugs it shouldn't be police officers that fight it it should be doctors psychiatrists counselors if you want to have a war on drugs fine but switch the tool have doctors counselors psychiatrists psychologists fighting the war on drugs not police if you want to fight the war on drugs then you need to change the u.s foreign policy that is making it so that they're making money off the drugs in these countries where they are pro where they are being produced change the u.s foreign policy stop sanctioning these countries and leave them to hell alone hell i would go further and take some of that money away from the money that you're providing to the state of israel and give it to nicaragua and honduras and colombia and venezuela give them the money and then leave their countries leave them alone and let them rebuild and let them actually provide for their people so then they won't have to make money off a of drug trade also in the cia because cia was actually some of the people who are actually pro pro moving making money off the drug trade too but a lot of people don't talk about that and then the last one as you guys can see in carceral punishment and this is something that I think should be the final step. It says, 
free everyone in jails, prisons, youth facilities, and detention centers, beginning immediately with the elderly, disabled, immunocompromised, nonviolent offenders, undocumented immigrants, criminalized survivors, and those held on bail or for parole violations. Free all political prisoners. So this is people like Mamia Abu-Jamal, people like uh, Julian Assange is in a different country, but also he's a political prisoner, uh, including Leonard Peltier, Mamia Abu-Jamal, says remove except as punishment for crime from the 13th Amendment. This is the exception in the 13th Amendment that allows for slavery that people don't think about. It says ban solitary confinement. Solitary confinement is also torture. So when they put you in solitary confinement, that is torture. If you're put in away from the general population and you have to stay in there 23 hours a day, that is torture. It says decriminalize misdemeanor offenses and pro probation parole violations. Repeal all three strikes, habitual offender laws, ban the box, and the school to prison pipeline. Ending the school to prison pipeline is something I think is really important too, because there should not be police officers walking the halls in a school. We had police officers in my elementary school when I was growing up, especially in schools in the hood. Palmetto Elementary, fourth grade, yeah. Yeah, we have police officers. They will walk the halls, and then they will also teach the D.A.R.E. program. Yep. The higher the grade you went, the more the police presence. So we have more police officers in middle school. In fact, I had a class that was taught to me by a police officer in the eighth grade. My teacher was a police officer. And police, full police gear, firearm and all, teaching us classes about law. And he was black. If he saw me right now. And I was the quiet kid. I didn't say shit in class. And then high school, walking up and down the halls go to a predominantly black school and you will see police, especially in more poor disadvantaged areas. You will see police in the halls. It says repealing truancy laws, removing police, Surveillance technologies, metal detectors from schools, and eliminating school zero tolerance disciplinary policies. Suspensions and expulsions. Close all local jails. Eliminate the pr prison industrial complex. Closing all privately owned prisons. Terminating all contracts with private companies that profit off prisons and banning all police foundations. There are companies like American Airlines and Victoria's Secret that actually use slavery. I'm not going to call it prison labor. It's slavery. 
So next time you guys go to Victoria's Secret in the mall, just realize some of those panties and drawers were actually made by slaves. Whenever you guys need to call up American Airlines, that person you're speaking on the phone to, a slave. Yeah, yeah. Every single time you go to McDonald's, you want those two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun? Guess what? The two all beef patties were made by slaves. Slaves. They also deserve reparations. And I think McDonald's should be one of the first people to pay it out. And how did I know that whole thing about two all beef patties from McDonald's? I have no idea. Gosh, I really need to get out more. In all new prison construction, we don't need new prison construction. We have the highest amount of prisoners in the world. We're 4% of the population of the world, and yet we have 25% of the world's prisoners. Yeah, we don't need new prisons. In pretrial detention, cut funding from prosecutors' offices, abolish ICE, end immigration detention, and mandate legal immigration status priority to ICE detainees and their families. Eliminate civil commitment. Eliminate all carceral alternatives to incarceration and implement measures for intervention, prevention, and education. Abolish the death penalty. There are too many people who are killed in our system simply who are innocent. And then you find out later, oh, we accidentally killed them because the DNA showed that they didn't deserve to die because they were innocent. Implement a reparative transformative justice model in place of the current system. So, yes. So, share this site with all of your neighbors and friends. And the thing is, is that even if you are pro-police, even if, right? Let's say you're pro-police. Why do you feel that police should be subject to having to do all these different types of jobs. Why? If you're pro-police, why? doesn't make any sense. You shouldn't have to. If you're pro-police, then you should be like, no. If they're there for law enforcement, then we should redo a lot of these laws so that they won't have to, you know, be subject to having to deal with people who have uh, mental health issues or dealing with drug intervention or dealing with kicking people out of their homes. Like, look, how many police would be needed if we didn't have to evict people anymore because we treated housing as a human right? How much police will be needed if everybody have food as a human right? 
How many? If we decriminalize all drugs, how many police officers will we need if they didn't need to enforce drug enforcement laws? See what I mean? How many police will we need if we didn't have cash bail? How many will we need? And then we can focus on the serious stuff. And then we can focus on why some of these people commit the serious crimes that they do. And then we can get to the root of the problem. Nobody ever wants to get to the root of the problem. They only want to treat the symptoms. Now, for the family of Derek Diaz, there is a GoFundMe. Yes, it is also in the description below, but I want to highlight the GoFundMe for the family. This is organized by Derek Diaz's mother, Yaneri. Uh, so far, they're about a little over halfway to their goal. I want them to triple their goal. I want them to have more than enough. I want it so that they don't have to work for a few for a couple years. I actually, you know what? Fuck it. I want them to have 10 times their goal. Instead of 20,000, I want them to get 200,000. Because guess what? They they have they, they went through something horrific. Here's the GoFundMe in the chat. And share that link in this story. Even if you don't share my 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 clip of this, share this story, period, because what happened to Derek is completely unjust, but is a symptom of the system. And it is absolutely horrific what happened to him. I'm going to read what his mother stated. Because this is her words. And I want to hear from what she had to say. She says, hello, everyone. I am Yaneri Diaz, the mother of Derek Diaz. On July 3rd, 2023, around 2 a.m., the Orlando Police Department wrongfully shot and killed my son. He was only 26 years old and leaves behind a five-year-old daughter who loves him dearly, as well as his younger brother, our family, loved ones, and myself. My heart is torn apart. I lost my best friend, my everything, my entire world in the hands of people that are supposed to protect us not kill innocent people. The police report states that he was in a rough area of downtown and they were conducting proactive patrols when they became suspicious of him. Why were they suspicious? That's my biggest question. They state during the stop that he made a movement to retrieve a gun, but no firearm was ever discovered. 
My son died alone at the hospital. Oh my gosh. Derek did not have a weapon on him. He has never owned or possessed a firearm in his life. This happened just one day after the new law was passed in Florida for residents to be allowed to carry conceal carry firearms without a permit. My son was killed just 24 hours later. It seems the police are now on high alert, scared and trigger happy. Derek is yet another victim of police brutality and poor police training. Due to the police officers who stopped him being poorly trained, there are there is another child in this world who is going to be growing up without their father. There is another boy who is going to grow up without their brother and another mother who lost her child. We need justice. Please share. Please talk about it. If you can help us with donations for his funeral cost, we would appreciate anything you are able to donate, especially if you did not have opportunity of knowing him personally. If you cannot donate, please just share so that we can spread the word of what has happened to my son and get justice. So. Funeral expenses. They need expenses just to be able to live their lives so that they do not have to work during this period so that they can mourn their loss. It is hard to mourn when you have to go into work. It is hard to mourn when you have to cook. It's hard to mourn when you have to just operate. It's just, they should just have their expenses completely paid for dealing with this. By the way, while I'm thinking about it, we live in a system where you have to mourn, period. Even if you lose a loved one, you have to work, you have to pay for rent and all this other stuff while mourning. I honestly think that we should have a system where people should have all their expenses paid when a loved one passes. Is that is that does that sound wild? Is that very radical of me? I don't think that you should have to pay for these things if you're in mourning. Because that's tragic. You should not have to pay for funeral expenses in this country. I said what I said. You should not have to pay for burial. You should not have to pay for cremation. You should not have to pay for it. It should all be publicly funded. That's what I think. Someone's funeral and burial should not be worth more than somebody else's. Every human life, if every human life is precious, then everybody should get the opportunity to bury their loved ones without having to be gatekept from doing it properly. I'm done with the financial gatekeeping. I'm done with it. I just lost my grandmother a couple months ago. That that expense should have not fallen on my family one iota.
and it shouldn't fall on Derek Diaz's family. In fact, Derek Diaz should still be alive. True justice would mean that he would never, <coughs> excuse me, even have had to endure that contact with police. True justice would have meant that we wouldn't have had this war on drugs, period. True justice would have meant that that area wouldn't have been a bad area because we shouldn't have had poverty, not in this country. See how it affects us all? That's how it that's how it affects us all. Let me make sure that I also share this on the Rumble chat too. So that they also have that just in case there's anything watching. Oops. I can pause that. Okay. It's in the Rumble chat as well. So, justice for Derek Diaz, man sad what happened so we're gonna be switching gears um if you guys have not please make sure to like the stream um as well as if you guys have not if you guys would like to get email notifications go to jb5.substat.com and if you would like to also go and subscribe to my patreon you guys can also do that um, i have all the people who are patrons on patreon scrolling down below as well as coffee members and I also do memberships as well on my channel. So if you guys would like to, you guys can do that. Uh, and also, please make sure to hit the like like button so that it pushes me out into the algorithm because my channel is definitely suppressed. So thank you so very much. Um, now, to the next story. Oh, wait, let me go to the chat and get some comments from the chat as well. My apologies. Uh, so the first comment was from the, the tick, I'm sorry, the, I forget the name. Um, but this uh, comment says from Mushy says, would you not prefer a system change on a larger level rather than just to defund the police? Well, like I said before, we need to abolish the police as we know it now. We need to have a system where public safety is done by the people within that community. A lot of the police officers that that patrol the communities that they patrol don't live in the communities. They actually live outside the communities and they come into those communities to patrol, right? I don't care what race they are. They live outside the community and then they patrol. And then the money that they make for patrolling that area, they'll take that money and then they'll spend it in the community outside. So they're literally taking money also outside of our community. So first of all, the community should be patrolled and public safety should be uh, taken care of by the people who actually live among us, number one. Number two, the having of weapons and guns, because everybody wants to talk about, you know, um, we need to have gun control. 
everybody wants to talk about gun control among citizens, but they never want to talk gun control around police, about police. I say, let's do gun control with the police first. But then people people be like, well, how are they supposed to keep themselves safe? They got batons. They go, but then they go, well, people in the, in, in the state, they also have guns. I'm like, yeah, but the thing is, is that who's who's doing a lot of shooting? Police are. And then on top of it, not only are police the ones with the guns that are doing a lot of shooting, but a lot of the people who are being shot are unarmed. And if you really want to take care of the people who have guns that you think are dangerous, they're only dangerous because of the environment, particularly an impoverished environment. So take care of the poverty. You see, when people when people hear us talk about defunded police, they think of us defunding the police within the system that we currently have. That system change also needs to take care of the poverty issue on top. It needs to be simultaneous. Because if you take care of the poverty issue and defund the police, will there be a need for them? I bet. I beg to differ, no. Take care of the poverty issue will also diminish the need for police. And then you can also abolish the police because the game is, is what's the use for them? They only solve 2% of crime anyway. And they don't prevent crime. They just make things more violent. So that's how I feel. But thank you very much for the, uh, for the comment, Mushy. Reality of Evolution, thank you so very much for the, for the super chat says heads up guys haiti is considerable distress and needs attention yeah haiti's going through a lot too and the thing is is that we have a huge haitian population here in orlando and in orange county and i would like to talk more about that um and shout some people who haiti a lot of them live i can shut my door um speak speak with them because is going through a lot and part of it is because of what the united states does in the caribbean and the global south and, and latino communities this is what the united states does and so we need to keep our eyes open for that too Dwayne vogel says this count this country i think i think you meant this count oh County, country, same thing. Uh, well, not same thing, but I mean, you know, it, county in the country is also afflicted with a sickness called capitalism. Absolutely. Serena says, because they, they're cheap MFers who try to kill off disabled people and not even allow us a grave. Yeah. Sean Miller says, Duane, and the only cure is revolution. I agree. Whoever says not just a sickness, it's a parasitic evil. By the way, when we say revolution, everybody automatically goes towards violence. The thing is, is that the revolution is typically peaceful. The violence is at the hands of the state. 
If you ever look at revolutions, the revolution is always at the hands of the state. Because we'll peacefully try to change things, right? But whenever we try to do it peacefully, guess what? The state goes, no, you don't. And the state is the one that will raise up the apparatus. And they will be the ones that will fight. And they will get their firearms and they will neutralize, neutralize whatever the threat to their power is. Even if that threat acts in a peaceful way. Look at the Black Panthers. How were they? How was that group dangerous for feeding breakfast to children, having free clinics, and protecting their own neighborhoods and keeping their people safe? How were they dangerous? And yet, people like Fred Hampton got murdered in his bed while he was asleep. How? State sanctioned violence. This is why I entitled this stream The Injustice of the State. Why was Derek Diaz murdered? Injustice by the state. They have to keep things in order for the property, for the corporate dictators. That's why they're there. Injustice by the state. This is how they operate. They also do it to keep you in fear so that you don't come and say, absolutely not, we will not tolerate this. We did it in 2020 when we watched a officer of the state, a representative of the state, kneel on a black man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. We did that. And guess what? They saw that. They got scared. Now Cop City's being built. Injustice of the state. Because who owns the state? It's not us. It's not us. It's owned by the corporate dictators. Just go to OpenSecrets.org. Look up any politician, and you'll see who actually donates to them. It will show you that it's not by us, it's by them. It's the Vanguards, the Black Rocks, the Safe Streets. It's the Walmarts, the Targets. It's the Disneys. It's the Warner Brothers, right? It's the Kellogg's. It's these companies that are, it's the banks, right? It's the Bank of America, it's the J.P. Morgans. These are the ones that actually own our government, including city, county, state, and federal. Mushy says, decentralizing as well as defunding sounds good. Yeah. Thank you, Mushy on, on Twitch. Whoever says there's a cop lover in who lives in my neighborhood and we had a hard ass time 
backing him off from being all up on our property, looking over fences and everything. Yeah, these these people they they feel like they have to protect the community when in reality they are actually the danger that is actually in our community. Yeah, Sean Miller says the hall monitor types. Yeah, that's what they are. Duane says all J. Edgar Hoover had to do was characterize the Black Panthers as violent to create a pretext for state-sanctioned violence when all they advocated for was self-defense. You know, it's funny. People say, you know, ask anybody who's, and ask anybody, do Black people have the right to self-defense? And they'll say, well, yes. And then ask them afterwards, then why are police killing them left and right? Why are they disproportionately murdered by police if they have a right to self-defense? And funny part is video, I think it was this morning or yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, by uh, brown racist Ian Moss Chong that all these young black men that were you know, living in the neighborhood that all had guns, right? They had rifles, they had assault rifles and everything. And they were showing them off, right? And Ian Miles Chong says something to, to the effect of, of what's wrong with this country. And then my, my reply would have been, I would have shown all of these people who are in militias, all these white people who are in militias across the country. And I would have said, What's wrong with this country? You see, here's the funny thing. People make excuses for white militias in this country saying that they're trying to protect their communities, but a black militia in the hood, somehow it's something wrong with this country. What's the difference? Oh, one community doesn't have poverty, whereas the other community does. That's the only difference. If you were to take poverty away, then what? Oh, and plus race. Man, let me get off this thing. Man. All right, so um, just checking the rock fan. Okay, is there anybody on the? Okay. All right, so let's go to the next story. Um, this is actually my primary story that I want to talk about today. Um, yes, Jam Mom says ghetto is not a race. Absolutely. Um, let's go to the next one. Injustice by the state, reparations denied. The pictures under reparations denied shows the first one is the aftermath of the Tulsa race massacre that happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921. So that was 102 years ago. 
The next photo is the survivors and victims of the Tulsa race massacre 102 years later. So injustice by the state. Let me go to... this uh, go to my list all right so one of the things we're going to do is we're going to find out what the Tulsa race massacre was then we'll talk about actions being denied to those people um so so I'm going to share really quick. I'm going to we're going to pause. I'm going to comment, and we're going to continue. But I think this is very important because this gives you the backdrop of what happened in Tulsa 102 years ago and why it's so important today. So this is actually going to build up. So I just wanted to share this with you guys first, just in case anybody is not aware. Okay. Something terrible happened here. And for decades, people didn't talk about it. I was an adult before I ever heard about it. It was something that was, was, was hidden. This entire historic community was obliterated. Bodies dumped in rivers, bodies dumped in mass graves. It was an absolute massacre. This story isn't one you'll find in most history books. And by that not finding it in history books, I didn't know about this until I was an adult. I didn't know about this until about three or four years ago when black people were talking about, oh, you know, there was a black Wall Street, right? I was like, what? Black Wall Street? Absolutely not. I didn't know about that. And guess what? Lo and behold, as an adult, I didn't know about this until this happened. So also, by the way, put in the comments until recently, the last four or five years, did you know? about the Tulsa race massacre? If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, let me know. And let me know when you found out. And if this is your first time finding out on this show, let me know. I'd like to know. And almost 100 years later, the facts of what exactly happened that day are still unraveling. So we're driving in what's known as Black Wall Street. It's where one of the nation's worst episodes of racial violence took place. In 1921, a neighborhood in Tulsa, Oklahoma, called the Greenwood District, was a bustling community of Black-owned businesses. Tulsa locals know that period of Greenwood's history as a kind of golden age. If you can imagine. So... Basically, black people were doing capitalism, but they were doing capitalism well. They were doing commerce well, and it was building up, right? Let's continue. Imagine just a, um, like an old time downtown, things like, um, Movie theaters, pharmacies, hair salons, and so forth. They called it Black Wall Street. 
it was a mecca. It was a huge success. But Black Wall Street was also an anomaly. It thrived at a time when the KKK was incredibly active in Oklahoma, and the nation had just been through the Red Summer of 1919, when white mobs murdered Black people in dozens of incidents across the U.S. Including close to me in Okoe. Okoe had a race massacre where Black people dared to vote, and they were killed for voting in Okoe, Florida, which is, gosh, about eight, nine miles from me. So yeah, Okoe. Then you have Rosewood, which is north, a little bit north of me in Florida. And in fact, in Rosewood, they actually made a movie about it. I forgot the name, the lady's name, but she played Florida Evans in Good Times. She was actually in the movie. I need to watch that movie again. It's tragic, but yeah. And it was over a white woman claiming all these massacres seem to fight. You seem to start with a white woman, but it was over a white woman claiming that a black man beat her up. When in reality, it was a white man that she was having sex with that cheating on her husband. It's just a whole thing. Let's continue. There needed to be a sort of match or an igniter tossed on these embers. And that event was, that trigger event, was an incident that involved two teenagers. Dick Rowland, 19-year-old black boy who shined shoes downtown. Sarah Page, 17-year-old white girl who ran an elevator in a downtown building called the Drexel Building. He went to the building, boarded the elevator. Something happened and Sarah Page began to scream. They both ran out of the elevator. Now, we don't know exactly what happened in this elevator, but a day later, Roland was arrested and taken to the courthouse. The local newspaper ran an article claiming Roland had assaulted Page. Even though Page refused to press charges, the article was essentially a call to action for whites. A large white mob began to gather on the lawn of the courthouse. Dick Rowland was in jail on the top floor. A number of black men, several dozen, marched down to the courthouse to protect him, some of them armed. There was a struggle between one of the black men in, in the small group and one of the white men in the larger group, and things sort of went south from, from that point. Hundreds of white people descended upon Black Wall Street armed. Black residents withdrew behind the railroad tracks that marked off the Greenwood District. Some of them were armed and fought back, but they were outnumbered by the white mob, which shot their way through. By the way, uh, someone in a TikTok actually talked about a little bit of the story about this. Some of the armed black men were also World War I veterans that donned their, their uniforms. So these were veterans who fought in World War I and grabbed their rifles to protect the young man. Let's continue. The white mob murdered, they looted, and they set fire to Black Wall Street.
I get what you're trying to do, but why be so violent? Why they're looting? Oh my gosh. They're a bunch of thugs. They're looting. They're burning stuff. I don't get why they just don't do these things peacefully. Interesting. This was the strategy, if you will, of how to deal with these communities, with these successful black communities. The effects were uh, disastrous. For two days, the Greenwood District burned, martial law was declared, and the National Guard was brought in. By the time the massacre ended, Greenwood was in ruins. More than 1,200 homes were destroyed, and 35 blocks burned. The exact number of casualties is harder to pin down. Some initially only reported that white people died. Others reported somewhere between 30 and 100 mostly Black casualties, but estimates now put that number closer to 300. As for those that survived, thousands of them lived in tent cities in the months that followed and were left to pick up the pieces of rubble they once called home. After the massacre, the cover-up started. Records went missing from city files, including the very article that started it all. It makes photos from this time all the more important as part of the historical record. But back in 1921, these images served a very different purpose. So photo postcards like these were pretty widely distributed after the massacre. At the time, they were a part of white supremacist culture and kept as souvenirs of racially charged crimes. And yes, racist white people love their souvenirs. And if it meant torturing or killing black people, those were the most prosperous souvenirs that you can ever have. Those were the most uh, widely circulated souvenirs you can ever have. This is going to be disturbing some people, but also body parts of some of our ancestors were also souvenirs. Hell, they actually used to take the hair off of black people and stuff it into pillows for their chairs and for their beds. Stuff with the hair of black people as part of their furniture. They used to keep ears and noses and fingers as souvenirs of black people that were lynched. They would castrate and then burn people hanging in from the tree, lynching them. Yeah. So this is not new. Let's not get started with the cannibalism that actually happened when they actually ate black people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All this happened. All of it happened. All of it. And they wonder why we wanted reparations. Now they're preserved to make sure this part of Tulsa's history isn't forgotten. And they paint a clear picture of how much destruction there was that day. On the postcards, it's called the Tulsa Race Riot a name that itself sort of erases what really happened. 
by Colleen Nidalaya. It's a way of, of trying to rewrite the history, uh, assuming that there were both sides at fault and that was not the case. I call it a massacre uh, and I call it that because that's what it was. Greenwood eventually rebuilt, but nearly a century later, there's a part of this story that still haunts the city. No one actually knows where the victims' bodies are. We got to find our people. We got to put them at rest. You know, if not, we'll continue to be haunted by what was done so many years ago. Kevin Ross, a local writer, is one of many in Tulsa descended from people who lost everything in the massacre. So in this cemetery, there are only two official victims of the Tulsa Race Massacre. Right. How many victims do you think there are? After all these years, I think 300 is putting it mild. In 1997, the city finally put together a commission to study the massacre and help piece together what happened in 1921. They compiled records and eyewitness accounts. Bullets were just raining down over us. They set our house on fire and went right straight to the curtains and set the curtains on fire. These accounts are especially important now because none of these survivors are alive anymore. And they also provided new information. Some mentioned trucks, like this one, loaded with victims of the riot. One riot witness in particular came forth testifying that he saw bodies being dumped in Oakland Cemetery. This is it. This is the area. Using the survivor accounts, records, and eventually radar, the city was able to pinpoint three locations with anomalies in the soil. So this basically shows that this is the type of things that happen in our nation. And this just gives you guys a synopsis of everything that happened regarding the Tulsa race massacre. Um, so I'm putting the video link in it in the um, in the chat so you guys can have that. But that gives you guys a background of what happened. So that you guys know what happened 102 years ago, why it happened. And now let's get to the article. Because this article is atrocious. So the links to these are also going to be in the description. Uh, let's see, Mushy says, first time learning about this massacre. It's so effed up. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't know about it. And that's the crazy part. Um, so I'm going to share with you guys the link after I finish reading this. So it says Tulsa race massacre court tosses reparations case judge dismiss a lawsuit brought by three survivors of the 1921 attack. It says an Oklahoma judge dismissed the lawsuit brought by three survivors of the 1921 Tulsa race massacre who sought reparations for the attack in the city's Greenwood district at the time one of the wealthiest black neighborhoods in the United States. Tulsa County District Judge Caroline Wall dismissed the case, 
filed against defendants included the city of Tulsa and the Tulsa Regional Chamber with prejudice Friday, according to the court docket entry. Dismissing with prejudice means the case cannot be refiled, but it is possible for the decision to be appealed. So they can't refile this, which is basically means that they're blocking. They're like, no, we don't want to hear this ever again. You can appeal, but you can't do it again. I don't ever want to hear this again. Does that sound very racist to you? It does to me. Let's continue. It says, the ruling undercut an effort to seek justice for rampage by white mobs that burned Tulsa's black neighborhood to the ground. As many as 300 people were killed. Some 35 blocks were leveled and hundreds of homes and businesses destroyed. The case originally was filed in September of 2020 under the state's public nuisance law. After many twists and turns, in August of 2022, Wall allowed the lawsuit to continue. Three survivors of the massacre, each over 100 years old, were the most recent plaintiffs in the case. In the filing, the plaintiffs said that they were seeking to abate the public nuisance caused by the rampage in Greenwood and to obtain benefits unjustly received by the defendants as a result of it. The lawsuit quoted Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum, who said, who, I'm sorry, who had said that the racial economic disparities that still exist today can be traced to the massacre. In the aftermath of the attack, the petition alleged the defendants of enacting unconstitutional laws that deprived green residents of use of their property and thwarted the community's efforts to rebuild by redirecting public resources to benefit predominantly white areas of Tulsa. Says in the petition, says the defendants have imposed or supported unlawful policies and actions that stifled the ability of all Greenwood residents impacted by the massacre to rebuild and thrive. So that's basically the premise of the reparations argument. Because if that massacre had never happened, where would the Greenwood district, how would it be today? How would it have benefited the people? that were there, I'd argue that it would be an affluent black area. It definitely would. And the descendants would have inherited that generational wealth that was accrued since then. You got to remember, the kids that were there would be grandparents and great-grandparents. Actually, no, great grandparents and great great grandparents and so imagine all the people that it would have benefited generationally all the generational wealth that was lost in that area all the businesses that could have been inherited and passed down over and over to all the people within that area but it wasn't because a white mob decided to burn the city down. They burn it down, man. Who pays for that? Who pays for it? Was anybody among the white people killed that initiated that massacre? The young lady wasn't killed. 
The young lady wasn't even beat up. Right? And yet, it caused a white mob to massacre black people and burn their city down. The dismissal of this case is just one more example of how America's, including Tulsa's legacy, is disproportionately and unjustly borne by the Black community. We will continue to fight on behalf and alongside our survivors. If you survive a massacre, should you receive reparations? for the crime that was committed against you? That's the question that needs to be asked. Should you receive reparations for it? And also, if your family was directly or indirectly affected by it, then should you receive reparations for it too? Especially if it affects you financially. It's funny because everybody will say, Everybody believes in lawsuits if you're wronged, except for when it happens to black people. If I sue somebody for wronging me or wronging my mother or my grandmother and it affected me years later, shouldn't I receive reparations for that? I'm not going to read the entire article, but I'm going to give you guys the link so that you guys can have it. This is the BS that they said. They said simply being connected to a historical event does not provide a person with unlimited rights to seek compensation from any project in any way related to that historical event. That was from the lawyers who said it, who were against it. They said, if that were the case, every person connected to any historical event could make similar unjust enrichment claims against every museum or point of remembrance. I'd argue that some people should actually get recompense from it. Because guess what? We have fared in a negative way because of it. Yes, yes. Would you, hold up. Would Europe be in the same spot that it's in if Africa and parts of the global South and South Central and South America would they be as rich as they are if we actually seek recompense for all the wealth that they stole? Would they? No. And guess what? It's justified it's justified because somebody fared horribly if we're going to talk about justice let's talk about it because i remember hearing about 
I don't remember hearing about Africans stealing resources from Europe. I don't ever hear about resources being stolen from Europe by indigenous tribes in America. I don't remember ever hearing about that. Because they mind their own damn business. Yet, yet. What did Europe do? So shouldn't it be fair to expect payback? All the gold, the diamonds, the oil, the rubber, the bauxite, the hemp. Let's go to the cobalt. The lithium. Let, let, let's talk about it, right? It was stolen, the rubber. Oh, let's, don't get me started on Leopold and how he basically massacred Congolese people. 10 million, 10 million murdered. Leopold killed more people than Hitler and nobody even talks about him. Because they were black. 10 million Congolese people. You don't think Congo deserves reparations? We don't even have all the graves of all the people that were massacred. Now, let me get to this really quick. I also have another link that I'm going to share. And um, okay, no, I'm going to block that. All right, so I'm going to share this, and this is going to be uh, Levert the Basement on TikTok. If you guys are on TikTok and you guys uh, want a good uh, channel to follow on TikTok, Levert the Basement is really good. Um, and no, we're not related, but to be related to such a intelligent person would be a privilege. I mean, technically we are, because I mean, he, you know, we're both black, so we probably are related somehow, some way, but let's go into it. Hey, good morning. Let's talk about reparations. What is it? Well, according to the United Nations, Reparations refers to the process and result of remedying the damage or harm caused by an unlawful act. In the case of the Tulsa Race Massacre, the unlawful act is when thousands of angry white people killed over 300 innocent black people, looted their businesses and homes, and burned over 35 city blocks to the ground. All because a black teenager stood in an elevator with a white woman, and on his way out the door either stepped on her foot or bumped into her. 
So what is the purpose of reparations? The UN says that the purpose of reparation is generally understood to reestablish the situation that existed before the harm occurred. So did the state of Oklahoma or the city of Tulsa do any of that? No, they did not. You see, for decades, they lied about it and deliberately covered it up. A newspaper removed the front page story about it from their archives and the police and state militia archives about the riot were missing as well. And falsifying police records is a criminal offense. The UN goes on to say that restitution should be made whenever possible to restore the victim to the original situation before the gross violation of international human rights law or serious violations of international humanitarian law occurred. First of all, that's what reparations means. The root word in reparations is repair. So to repair, to restore something to the original state it was before the injustice happened. If you really want to give reparations, then you need to repair what happened to the people in Greenwood to the state that they were before it was ever, uh, before what had happened. And so the thing is, is that that's what needs to happen. But they don't want to repair or restore black people to the point of what ha happened right they can repair and restore what happened to japanese people they can repair and restore what happened to jewish people they can repair and restore what happened to white slave owners after losing their slaves after the, the civil war but they don't want to do it for black people think about that let's continue and we all know that the tulsa race massacre as well as chattel slavery are violations against human rights laws so in 2020, survivors and descendants of those who died in the Tulsa race massacre went to court and sued the state of Oklahoma and the city of Tulsa for reparations. However, Judge Wall said that no descendants of anyone in the Tulsa race massacre can file for reparations, only living victims. So people would say, oh, well, you guys still aren't enslaved, so you guys aren't victims. And yet we're still paying for the issues of slavery, as well as Jim Crow, as well as all the massacres that happened besides in Tulsa. Let's talk about all the other race massacres that have happened across the country, especially in 1919, and all the race massacres that have happened before and after during and before and after re Reconstruction. Let's talk about Seneca Village. The community, the black community that was in New York City, that was actually that removed all the black people and they put a park over it called Central Park. Yes, Seneca Village. All the black communities that were put underwater and now there's a lake over top of these black communities. Let's talk about that. But a lot of people don't want to talk about it, right? A lot of people don't want to say anything about it. A lot of people don't want to give reparations to people who have suffered. 
And let's talk about the reparations to people who also are in prison, who are forced to do labor. Yes, there are people who are living who deserve reparations now. Yeah, let's talk about it. Because the thing is, that everybody was like, oh my goodness, y'all, slavery was so long ago. Slavery still exists to this day, to this day. And people don't want to talk about it. If it still exists to this day, then guess what? Those people deserve reparations too. I have family members that deserve reparations. If you want to talk about, oh, only the people who have actually endured it, guess what? Yeah, I have a lot of family members that have endured it. Rome from RBN always talks about how his grandmother was literally a slave, still a slave. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Let's continue. So brother Ellis, who's now 102, his sister, sister Randall, who's now 108, and mother Fletcher, who's now 109, went to court to sue for reparations. But in 2023, Judge Wall said no, you can't have reparations. So, so basically, Judge Wall moved the goalpost. Oh, nobody who, only a surviving person can actually do it. And then survivors came. Survivors came and they were like, we're survivors. Pay us our reparations. We endured the massacre. Then she's like, uh, 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 no, 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 you can't. Even though they're survivors. That's like, that's like someone who was on the White Star Line, who was on the Titanic. The Titanic sank because of their hubris, because of the errors of, you know, it, 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 because of the captain. And then they sue, you know, the captain and the White Star Line for, for repairs for you know, them having to endure that tragic event. And it's like, oh, only survivors. Well, I survived the Titanic. Uh, uh, no, you you can't look for reparations for that, for that tragedy. What? How, how do you, look, how are you going to move the goalposts like that? But they do it for black people all the time. A Karen on the bench. So she dismissed the case with prejudice to make sure that they couldn't file again, which was a slap in the face to the survivors of the Tulsa race massacre who were simply looking for justice in their lifetime. Even though they didn't receive reparations for the crimes against humanity they endured, the United States has issued reparations before. For example, on January 12, 1865, General Sherman promised black people 40 acres and a mule as reparations for their enslavement. But President Johnson said, no, they don't need 40 acres and a mule. Their freedom is enough. Give the land back to the human traffickers that enslaved them. And that's exactly what they did. And here's the crazy part. We were never truly free even after the abolishment of slavery. Because what could black people do? Okay, they were free. But they had no property. They had no means to actually build up for themselves, you know, build their own houses, have their own land to be able to cultivate, to eat. They didn't have none of that. So what did they have to do? They had to go back to the same slave owners that they were freed from. 
and they had to work for them for slave wages as sharecroppers. And then on top of it, they had to rent the tools and it was so expensive that they were held, you know, they could not pay it ever back. So there were still slaves even after slavery. The following year, formerly enslaved Africans were given six months to purchase land at reasonable rates without competition from white Southerners or Northern investors. But because they worked their entire lives as enslaved people and received no pay, they had no money. And few ex-slaves were able to take advantage of the program. And the largest number that did were located in Florida, just a little over 3,000. And eventually the program failed. In 1862, President Abraham Lincoln signed the act for the release of certain persons held to service or labor within the District of Columbia, and it gave former slave owners $300 per person that they set free. More than 3,100 enslaved people saw their freedom paid for in this way. However, newly freed black people got no money if they decided to stay in the United States. Because the act provided for an immigration incentive of a hundred dollars. I'm gonna give you a hundred dollars to just just lead the states. You work for us your entire life, so here's a hundred dollars to get the hell on up out of here. That's the equivalent of two thousand six hundred and eighty-three dollars in twenty twenty-one dollars. So meaning that it would be the equivalent of you being released from slavery without anything. And then the United States give you a little over $2,000 to get out of the country. That's enough just for the ticket. That's it. So basically, like, here's your ticket to get out of the country. Now get out. That's it. Now, the lowest estimate of what enslaved Africans were worth in the 1860s is around $20.3 trillion in today's money. Now, that's enough to fix the racial wealth gap in this country, and it'll only cost the United States a year of their GDP. But many politicians, policy, and lawmakers have been dead set against reparations since the 1700s. You ever wonder why? Well, according to Reuters, it's because 118 of America's most influential leaders have a slaveholding ancestor that list okay so let's get to, into this this is going to be wild and this is why they don't want to give reparations because that means we would potentially bankrupt some of the people who are the most powerful in this nation that's why let's go this includes state senators state representatives presidents supreme court justices and governors, many of whom have been dead set against reparations because they would have to pay the descendants of people who were forced to make their families wealthy. Take our governor of Louisiana, John Bell Edwards, for example. His ancestor enslaved 57 black people and they worked their entire lives to make his family wealthy. Our state senator, Bill Cassidy, his ancestors enslaved four black people, and they worked their entire lives to make his family wealthy. John Kennedy, our other state senator, his ancestor Nathan Calhoun enslaved 65 black people. Now, remember, remember this guy? This guy was like, 
he says something about crackheads in, in a political ad. This is that this is that guy. And come to find out, his family owned slaves, 65 slaves. And his family basically owes reparations to those 65 families. But he's against it because that means that all the wealth that he came from would actually go to them. Because they're the ones that did the work. They're the ones that did the work. So therefore, they're the ones that actually should get it. Y'all wonder why I'm a socialist? Because socialism means, socialism means that the workers get the profits, not the people at the top. And guess what? Slavery was the profits go to the top and the workers get nothing. The workers were slaves. Reparations is actually workers getting recompense for the free labor that they did. It's a seizing of the means of production. And John Kennedy is opposed to reparations. Mm -hmm. Rick Allen, the representative from Georgia, his ancestor enslaved 133 Africans. And he's opposed to reparations. The governor of Alabama, Kay Ivey, her ancestor enslaved 33 Africans. And here's the prices of what they were worth at the time. Supreme mm -hmm. Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett's ancestor enslaved 21 Africans. No wonder she's opposed to reparations. Pete Sessions, the representative from Texas, his ancestor enslaved 96 Africans. The representative from Nevada, her ancestors enslaved 183 Africans. In Oklahoma, James Langford's ancestors enslaved three Africans. Mark Wayne Mullen's ancestors enslaved two. While Oklahoma State Representative Frank Lucas, his ancestors enslaved 12 Africans. President Bush's ancestor is responsible for enslaving 25 Africans who worked their entire lives and received no pay in order to make his family wealthy. Now, George W. Bush, George W. Bush, his family owned slaves. Wasn't there a link between his uh, grandfather, Prescott Bush, and the Nazi party? I may be wrong on that, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was a uh, a link between his grandfather, Prescott Bush, and the Nazi party. Also, his father, George H.W. Bush, was head of the CIA. And what did the CIA do to black communities? Crack epidemic, anybody? Yeah. So, basically... We deserve reparations from his family for owning slaves, as well as reparations from his grandfather, Prescott Bush, reparations from his father, George H.W. Bush, and reparations against him as well because he oversaw this country and what they did to a lot of us within uh, private prisons and, uh, you know, 
working as slaves within these prisons. Let's continue. And it's not just Republicans. It's this pencil neck, too. In order to make his family wealthy, Bill Clinton's ancestor. Bill Clinton. William Jefferson Clinton. You may have not had sexual relations with that woman, but your family sure as hell owned slaves. Where's the reparations, Billy boy? Oh, oh, by the way, reparations on top of not just that, but reparations for signing the 1994 crime bill is also owed to us because of what Bill Clinton did. Yeah, it's not just Republicans, baby, it's Democrats. This is why I say the duopoly is the Demo Republican Party. Neither party is exempt from this. Do they want to give us reparations? No, because that means that they would literally have to owe us all the wealth that they stole. They enslaved one African while President Obama's ancestors enslaved two people. Including Obama. Barry also owes his reparations. Because remember, Barack Obama's only half black. His mama was white. And his father, because of his father's side, he doesn't deserve reparations because his father's from Kenya. So therefore, he doesn't get reparations, at least not from this country. He probably gets he probably would get reparations from a European country because of what they did to Kenya. But he would have to pay reparations because of the white side of his family. And that list goes on and on and on. Throughout American history, we've seen cases where the United States of America gave reparations to various groups of people, Native Americans for stealing their land and Japanese Americans for putting them in concentration camps. Comes to black Americans, experienced over 400 years in slave, Jim Crow, racism, and illegal discrimination. The concept of repairing all the harm that was done to us is a foreign concept to them, and they don't want anything to do with it. And that's because many people in America still have the mindset that Supreme Court Justice Roger Taney had in 1857 when he ruled that the Negro has no rights that the white man is bound to respect. Meaning, as black people in this country, we don't really have rights anyway. Yep. And that's why they don't want to give us reparations.
So it's the same deal every single time when you look at what happened during the Tulsa race massacre. Oh, we ruined your family. We made things harder for you. Get over it. And it's funny because anybody who speaks against reparations, these are the same people that they're okay with generational wealth, but they don't believe that generational poverty exists. It's like, wait a minute. We have generational poverty, and yet you guys are okay with generational wealth? Make that make sense. So, yeah, that's what happened. And this is why it's so important to learn history, not revisionist history, but go to the people who are displaced and go to the people who are disenfranchised and learn their history. Because we all know that typically history is written by the victors. History is written by sometimes the perpetrators. Nobody ever really likes to go to the people who are the victims of the history. When you go to the victims of the history and you get their history, their story, then you get to find out, oh, snap. You get to see their perspective and how it affects us. Let me go to the chat. Uh, Zombie in the air says, I can imagine what Jimmy Dore's chat would look like if he advocated for reparations. He did say he's for reparations, so uh, I did hear him say that. Uh, Serena says, who gives a crap if it's divisive? If it is the right thing to do, then it's the right thing to do, even if it's not popular. Bingo. Freeing slaves was unpopular. And we literally supposedly had a war over what the right thing to do was. So I don't care if it's unpopular. I, look, I don't care if, no offense to the white people present, but I don't care if, it's a, if, if, if all white people in this country do not want us to have reparations. Just because y'all don't like it doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. The time is always right to do what is right. By the way, they knew slavery was wrong back then. There are many different accounts that they talked about how they knew slavery was wrong, but they did it anyway. So they knew it was wrong back then. They know it's wrong now. And yet, some white people, not all, some, look at it as, 
no, we can't do that. That would bankrupt the country. Then you shouldn't have did it anyway in the first place. Your granddaddy, your grandpappy, your great-grandpappy, whoever, they shouldn't have did it in the first place. And the thing is that if you're if you're benefiting from this system, then you should at least be wanting to right the wrongs that this system has caused. Just right the wrongs. That's it. Let's not forget about the corporations like Aetna, Wells Fargo, that have also benefited from slavery. J.P. Morgan, all these people, they, they benefited from slavery too. They also own reparations, owe reparations too. Whoever says a bunch of racist idiots used to call Billy Boy the first black president because he played the saxophone. I was a kid, so that really confused me because he didn't look black to me. Look, I was there. I saw it. And it was on Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall had on Bill Clinton, and he came out with black shades and playing the saxophone. And black people just loved him because apparently he was somebody who they thought was actually for them, when in reality, he was not. Adam Charlton says when J.P. Morgan died, they found he only owned 17% of his bank and the Rothschild owned the other 83%. I wouldn't be surprised. Thanks for that information, though, Adam. Kilia Grigor says it was the Christian thing to do at the time. Yeah. That was complete and utter bullshit, uh, tying Christianity to slavery like that. Um, no, <laughs> that's something that we also need. Hell, we need reparation from churches. I said what I said. Whoever says just like Joe Biden thinking that people ain't black if they won't vote for him. Yep. So they do not want to give reparations to anybody that was a victim. And the funny part is if I if something bad happened to my mom or my grandmother and I decided to sue that person a lot of times people will go, oh, yeah, that's justified.
But my question would be, why in the world is that okay in the eyes of many people, but reparations isn't? It's a debt owed. Uh, Bad Cookie says the stream will be considered CRT, JB. They will take the stream down for spreading CRT. You know what? Here's the thing. People, people who hate CRT or people who speak about CRT are just a bunch of snowflakes. That's what they are. Because they feel bad about their family's history and they don't want to face it. They don't have the balls to face the history of what their family did. So therefore, they're going to act like a bunch of wusses and go, I don't want to hear your family did it. Move on. Pay reparations and move on. Say you're sorry and move on. Why in the world are you going to sit there and be like a, a fucking wuss? And say, oh, I don't want to hear about the history. Like, look, your great, great, great granddaddy done raped a woman and then had a baby and had a baby and 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 enslaved her and kept her in the house. Okay. Look, realize the history that your family did, pay the reparations, say you're sorry, and move on. What's so hard about that? Oh. Because now you realize that all the benefits that you've gotten in society was because of the horrible things that your family did. Guess what? Guess what? You guys benefited from it, but who, who got a disadvantage from it? It's okay to equalize. It's okay to pay back. Because we suffered from it. So guess what? Pay it back so that we no longer suffer. Why? Why is that? Why is that such a hard thing? Why is that so hard to say you're sorry and to pay back what you've done, what your family has done? Why is that so hard? People sit there and go, "My family did this years ago, but I don't. I don't owe you guys anything." But you benefited from it. You benefited from the suffering. If you benefited from the suffering, then yes, you pay it back. Yes, you give it back to the people who you who, who your family have harmed. But you don't want to do that because you want to be a bunch of racist fucks and stay there and go, oh, well, we don't owe you. Yet you guys did it. You guys are facilitating it for Jewish people. You guys did it for Japanese people. You guys did it. You Your own ancestors got reparations. For what? For crimes against humanity. Give those reparations back. And they sit there. And they will look at people like me. And say, well you guys need to get a job. Your family should have got a job. Your great great grandpappy should have got a job. Instead of instead of grabbing people from West Africa. In order to work their fields. Bunch of lazy fucking assholes. That's what your great 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 granddaddy is. A lazy ass prick. Because he decided to want to buy people and have them work the fields that he should have done him damn self. 
pay me my motherfucking money. I'm sorry, but this pisses me off. When people go, oh, well, we don't owe you guys. Yes, yes, you do. This entire country was built by people who look like me and stolen, stolen from people who are peaceful. Who just wanted to live off the land. And yet, and yet, y'all think that anybody who comes here is illegal. When in reality, the people who are from Mexico, Honduras, Nicaragua, Venezuela, they're not in, they're not illegal immigrants. They're just coming home. And I'm not saying this to, to all the white people. I'm not saying this. But some European Americans. Some European Americans whose great 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 granddaddy decided to own some African Americans thinks that they actually have property that they should own in this country when in reality it was never theirs in the first place. This is the similarity between United States and the state of Israel. Why do you think my last name is Fauntleroy? That ain't an African name. This ain't African. It's more French than African. Sorry, but that, that pisses me off. I hate injustice. And people will sit there and be okay with injustice just because they benefited from it. No, no. Why in the hell am I part Welsh and part Norwegian? Why am I? Why? You know why. That's why. It wasn't because somebody just fell in love. No, somebody was raped. Where's the where's the recompense for that? <laughs> that cookie, <laughs> you so silly. I thought you were from the Kenyan font, LeBron. <laughs> <coughs> Made me cough cough up a lung. Sudanese followers. Actually, no, I'm uh, over a third Nigerian. Yeah. Whoever says it, I hate injustice too. And yes, it's embarrassing that my ancestors participated in it, but that doesn't mean it should be ignored because I feel differently than they did today. We owe. And I wish a lot more people felt the same way you did, right? And the thing is that it's not that we want you to feel bad. It's that when it comes to history, like they always say, those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it, right? So you have a resolve, whoever, to never repeat that history again, never again. But you also may realize that maybe, just maybe, I have benefited from the system that was set up 
right? So this is people who are like Kennedy and you know John. Uh, what's his name? John Kennedy, whatever his name is. Uh, people like George W. Bush. They should go. Look, I benefited greatly from this system. So therefore, if my family was the one who, you know, who committed these crimes against humanity against this family's ancestors, then we should be paying them reparations for the crimes that were committed against them because we literally took from them and put into ourselves. So therefore, unjustly, you should take, uh, they took from themselves unjustly. Then they should take from themselves what was taken from them and give it back. That's basically what it is. Grave Experiment says child labor coming back now. Yeah. Reality Revolution. Oh, Reality Revolution, you're speaking facts. Says Texas was straight up stolen from the horrible Mexican immigrants they now call illegal. Texas. California, New Mexico, Arizona, right? Nevada, Colorado, those, that's, that, that is originally Mexico. Dwayne Vogel says just as many blacks in New Orleans had a French colonial background. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Bad cookies. Colorado is Spanish for colorful. colorful. Florida is supposedly Spanish for flowery. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that whole rant got me hot. Um, but yes, uh, so let me, uh, finish up because I went over the time that I wanted to, because I also have a class in my Marxism class. If you guys would like to also participate in the class, you guys can actually just watch Midwestern Marx and they actually do a live stream of the Midwest of the Marxism, uh, beginnings of Marxism class. So if you guys would like to, you guys can go to Midwestern Marks. It's going to be uh, in half an hour. So you guys can go there. Um, just to let you guys know, um, RBN got a, a strike. So RBN will not be able to upload any clips or do live streams for two weeks. And that started yesterday. So just letting you guys know, that's what happened with RBN. Um, so if you guys would like to, um, you know, you guys can continuously watch, you know, the live streams. I think they're doing a live stream on RBN Long Beach, which is another channel. Um, but if you guys would like to just go to Rumble or Rockfin, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think they're going to be doing a live stream today, but go to Rumble or Rockfin and look at RBN from there. You guys can do that. So yeah, that happened. Um, and by the way, oh, while I have it here, um, on Saturday, I did the next part to Laziness Does Not Exist by Dr. Devon Price. So if you guys want to hear more of this book, 
the reading for this book, go ahead and go there. Um, so yeah, laziness does not exist by Dr. Devon Price. The next part of that chapter, oh, it was so good. It was so cathartic. So if you guys would like to, then also you guys can go to the playlist and you guys can see that as well. Um, so you guys can see uh, my reading. Uh, so you guys can hear it. If you guys don't pick up the book, you guys can just listen to it. Or if you guys want to pick up the book and read along with me, you guys do that. I also do some discussion in the book as well. Shout out to Dr. Devon Price for this amazing book. Also, on Sunday night, I did a live reading. I read live uh, chapter 13 of Asada Shakur's autobiography. Uh, that was Asada Shakur's birthday this past Sunday. So if you guys would like to, you guys can also tune in uh, and watch that. And that chapter actually had a connection with George Jackson. So if you guys want to also hear my reading of George Jackson, I did the complete reading of this book on my Rockfin channel. So if you guys would like to, you guys can actually go to Rockfin and you guys can listen to the reading of Blood in My Eye by George Jackson, who was part of the Black Panthers, uh, was a Black revolutionary. Uh, so yes, so she actually talks about what happened to George Jackson. So that was a really great reading. And so I thank you guys for tuning in as well. Uh, so thank you for that. And also, uh, thank you so very much. If you guys would like to, if you guys have not liked the stream, please make sure to like the stream on your way out. And if you guys would like to, you guys can go to jbfont.substat.com to get email notifications for any of my streams or clips that I upload. And so, yes, there will be clips that will be uploaded from this live stream because some people, they, you know, they don't want to sit through now two and a half hours of stream in order to watch it. So I will be uploads to my clips. Also, while I'm at it, I want to ask any of you who are watching right now, if you are watching, where did you find out to watch me put that in the the chat put it in the, the you know put in the comments down below if you're watching this on the rewatch let me know how did you find my channel how did you find me was it through rbn was it on twitter did you guys just search through youtube and find me did you guys find me through twitch rockfin rumble what where did you find me i'm, I'm actually curious about that and just let me know let, let me know how you guys found, found this channel and i'll go through that in a little bit but also, thank you to all the people who are patrons on Patreon, Coffee, as well as members. I do have memberships. <coughs> Excuse me. I have memberships as well. Uh, thank you so much to all of you for doing this as well. Uh, without you guys, I would not be able to do this channel. I'm having a tough time right now, but I am trying to do the best I possibly can with what I got. But thank you so very much to all of you for supporting the channel because I I wouldn't be able to do this if it, otherwise. Um, also, Sabby goes on at, uh, Sabby goes on at seven. Well, okay, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. So yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, so thank you so very much to everybody for tuning in. This was a, a kind of a difficult um, stream to do, but I appreciate all of you for tuning in. 
look, like I said, uh, water your plant. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me go through this really quick. Um, Bad Cookie says, found you through RBN. Uh, Bryce Smith said, RPN, RBN. Dwayne says, RBN. Uh, whoever says, RBN. Um, let me see. Zombie in the air says, same as everybody else. Gamer says, uh, RBN or Heartlands. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> Norman Keenan, you just refresh me mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me see. Serena says through one tweet where the guy was complaining about Chris Smalls following y'all. Oh, I remember that. Oh, my gosh. That was, oh, oh, that's hilarious. Thank you so much, Serena. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Wadi says first heard about you when you appeared on the Vanguard to promote the start of FHL as it was known, ironically. Ah, okay. Thank you so much, Wadi. Appreciate it. Uh, Kill Your Gregor says, found I found Savvy via RBN, via Jimmy Dore, Hair Man Hinkle too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. Dwayne says it was a base stream. Well done. Thank you so very much. Bad Cookie says, I found JB's channel while I was getting waterboarding. Get <laughs> woke. You were on in the background. Oh, Lord. Michael Harrison said, RBN, thank you so very much for letting me know. Uh, yeah. Oh, Lord. You guys are funny. Um, and let me check. Uh, nobody on the Rumble side. Nobody on the Rockfin side. Okay. So, yeah, um, thank you so very much, everybody, for tuning in. Like I always say, water your plants, water yourselves. I say this all the time, but I really mean it. Leave the world better than you found it. Even if you leave the world better in just a small way, somebody's world in just a better way, even just to how kind you are to other people, be kind to people and just do a smile, a kind word. If you can help out with mutual aid, remember, um, remember that Derek Diaz, you know, his GoFundMe, that's also going to be in the description. You know, if you guys want to give some, you know, leave, you know, his family's world just a little bit better than you found it there. Leave somebody's world better than you found it as far as helping them out you know sometimes you know if you see somebody that's going through um you know problems with their rent or problems with you know if you see somebody who has problems with their kid and you can give the kid i don't know a little stuffed animal or maybe a piece of candy just to quiet the kid down because you know that the parent is going they're rattled you know something you know do something for somebody that's in kindness you know, then you've done your job in leaving the world or somebody's world better than you found it. And that's the point, right? Uh, smoke them if you got them, drink them if you got them. If you ain't got them, then watch something hilarious, watch something funny because joy is revolutionary. Um, and also realize that we have to repair 
the relationships that this country has damaged in making people disenfranchised. And sometimes even just showing kindness to disenfranchised groups, that also helps as well. Decolonize your minds and don't just be anti-racist, but also be an accomplice with disenfranchised groups and helping them liberate themselves. Mwah. Love you for watching and have a great day. Stay cool out there, guys. It's hot. But also, maybe I'm one of the people who make you hot. <laughs>